episode 214 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 30th of January 2023. I'm Joe, and with me are Fainim. Hi, hi. Graham. Hello. And Will. Reach for the lasers. <laughs> uh, don't mention our past, Will. It's uh, best left there. Anyway, let's do some news then. And the first is excellent news. The Mars helicopter Ingenuity is still alive and is flying once again. It survived the Martian winter by the sounds of things. Good news indeed. Uh, we've talked about this a few times, and the Linuxness of it has sort of somewhat been lost in my memory now. And I'm just excited to hear about a little plucky helicopter flying around on Mars. And the article links to the flight log on the NASA website. And on there, you can see things like um, how far it flew, how high it flew, how fast it flew, where it went from and where it went to. And most impressively, all of the pictures that it took while it was doing that. A lot of them are 640 by 480 grainy black and white photos of just sand. But occasionally you get a composite which has been filtered so it's in color and it's got a bit of detail and it's just magical pictures of pebbles and the shadow of the helicopter itself really good so i'd recommend everybody check out the the flight log website if only they'd waited for the raspberry pi camera 2 to attach it to that Mm. (laughs) i seem to recall it was a smartphone camera that they used ah yeah something like that i think so yeah they'd still be waiting for a raspberry pi to get in stock (laughs) yeah i imagine the camera itself isn't so important because they just do so much processing on this stuff to generate an image from the data they do grab. But it is amazing. I'm just looking through the images that Will just mentioned. and Just to see the colour of Mars is amazing enough. Mm. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on this and uh, keep reporting on it, I think. But this is much more of a success than we ever thought it would be. And we keep saying that because it keeps outdoing expectations. And so this has got to be good news for these helicopters generally in the future. And Linux as something to be taken seriously by NASA, which has got to be good as well. So all round great news. Where's your helicopter BSD? (laughs) (laughs) So that's the good news out of the way. Phelim, tell us about JetNet acquiring ADSB Exchange. What on earth is all this about? So we might have talked about this before. I almost definitely know that we did (laughs) for those brilliant heroes like myself who have a Raspberry Pi in the attic with an aerial that picks up aircraft packets. So radar is not actually bouncing off airplanes for air traffic control. It's actually sending out a pulse and the airplane responds back saying, here I am, here's a bunch of data. So we pick those up with those things. And there used to be a site called, well, there still is, but it's kind of dead to us now. That's called ADSB Exchange. And that was a, well, entirely community-based feeders. They're the people who are dotted all around the globe who are providing information back to the main website. And that is, obviously, there's still work to be done on the main website, but it accrues all that, aggregates it all together and generates a map of the world and has loads of data feeds that they sell to clients and stuff like that. And you can also track Elon Musk's private jet with it, for example. <laughs> you can. And the main thing was the, the, the likes of Flight Radar 24 and things like that filter out things like military aircraft, whereas ADSB Exchange has a no-filter policy, so anything that flies is on there that can be picked up. Even things that doesn't report its position, they use a thing called MLAT, which is multilateration, which means if you have enough people listening around the place, they can receive the signal back that is just a ping, and then they can know where it's come from by just doing time mats and things like that to the signal. 
so you can actually like locate typhoons that are going off on an intercept and all stuff like that. So the fellow that was running it was offered twenty million dollars, and he just said, "Shut up and give me your money." He was a private equity company came along, gave him twenty million quid, and he went, "Oh yeah, yeah, totally. This is all mine now," which is quite amazing for the amount of work that a lot of the they're not core developers, but it's a team of people who are essentially contributing their free time to this to build it up to where it is. Like that one guy, Dan, did not build the whole entire thing. A lot of the people did work on the images that people, it's a very simple image for a pie. You can download it, stick it onto that. And there's about 10,000 people plus around the world that were feeding back into it. That's the value of the data there. Those 10,000 people feeding that data back in, if they all go away, it's worth nothing. And that is what that company has bought. And to be quite honest, that guy did a bit of a, underhanded i'm not sure that's the right word for it but it feels that way because you know trying to pass off ten thousand people's work as being all yours is a little bit rich to be quite honest and now i am not saying like some people have said oh i don't like the way they were selling data to private companies and well i know from a fact i talked to one of them the guys who was part of that development team and yeah it was a lot of stuff on infrastructure because the amount of data it was passing was crazy i think there was some absolutely massive number of packets received because these things are happening all the time. Like there's about 60 to 100 a second sometimes. And this is all getting fed in from 10,000 people. So it's this colossal system. Obviously, it takes work. So what's the bottom line then? Have you all stopped feeding it and made it worthless? Not entirely yet, but it has dropped by several thousand people. And thankfully, people are springing up. So I think people have kind of somewhat learned from this and are trying to sort of bring up multiple what are they, exchanges aggregators i don't know what you call them but yeah they're trying to, to, to sort of learn from this and try and make it so there's a few there's open sky there's adsb.fi i'll give a put a bunch of links there for people to access so if anybody's interested in this just stop feeding to adsb exchange i would say because otherwise you're sort of condoning this sort of buying out of people's free time what was in it for you like what what was it that made you want to give your the work that your pie had done to that particular website? Did you get something in exchange? That is the other interesting thing. So there used to be a API you could get access to, and I had a script that I wrote that would ping me on Telegram whenever the military base near me had an interesting aircraft flying in. It could be an American aircraft that's coming in to visit. It could be the Coast Guard helicopter going out to do work, and that would just ping me. And that was very little to that. But because people were abusing that, the likes of people setting up a website saying, oh, I track all these airplanes and then just hammering the shit out of that API and then pretending that it was all their work. Sure, that was a problem. But I think if people are genuinely contributing to a system, they should get something back for it. And if that's just, we'll give you a radius around a single location that, you know, maybe 100 kilometers around a particular point that you can query, I think that's fair. And I like the fact that it was a unfiltered feed. There's nothing helping militaries, you know, the Russians are not going to look at ADSB exchange to go, when are they launching the attack, lads? Well, at this point, they might be, but initially <laughs> they wouldn't be. And it's just a nice thing to have. And to be quite honest, if something's flying above your head, I think you have the right to know where it is in case it does drop on you. It's why air traffic control communication should be in the open. And it's why these types of things like position info should be in the open. It's above you. It can do harm and you should know about it. And yeah, for me, it's just pure interest in aviation I've always had. So, 
and I, there was clearly a lot of people out there who are the same and they've used it for various things like they've caught out celebrities who have trying to be who are shifting airplanes around the place who are taking jets from like one side of la to the other all this type of stuff and that's there it's it's a, a form of journalism it's a form of information that people should have a right to but ultimately the dust hasn't settled on this yet we don't know what all of you lot are going to do with your data no but there's a fair few and there's a lot of people building scripts to feed all the ones that people have kind of gone yeah these places bless the data and why not put all our eggs in multiple baskets rather than just the one and they're making it easy and i think there'll be probably by the end of this week even easier ways and an image for a pie that you can probably install dead simple and have all those things there i mean to be quite honest there's not much to it it's just changing a couple of lines in some environment variables to point a right server but you want to make it as easy as you can for people who are not maybe into linux so we'll provide links to the feeds that if people want to help out or people didn't even know about it and actually do this to adsb exchange and i'd ask you to think about your conscience and how you're murdering baby seals and you know, you should should not do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux, support the show, and get $100 free credit. From their award-winning support, offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. And check out their managed MySQL, Postgres, and MongoDB databases that allow you to quickly deploy a new database and defer management tasks like configuration, managing high availability, disaster recovery, backups, and data replication. Simple and fast to deploy with secure access, their flexible plans include daily backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account, and you'll get $100 in credit and support the show. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. So like many other big tech companies, Google has recently laid off a bunch of people. And the New York Times noticed that one of the divisions or groups, whatever you want to call it, within Google that was worst hit was the Fuchsia people down 16% to, I think that's still over 300 people. So it's quite a lot, but that was more than the average of about 6%. And so now people are saying, that's it, Fuchsia's finished, doom and gloom. And so Phelan's happy, but uh, (laughs) I get to be wrong because I thought that Fuchsia was going to be the future. (laughs) Haha. I'm not having it. I'm not having it that this is the end of Fuchsia, quite frankly. 300 plus people is more than most fucking companies, or a lot of companies anyway. I, yeah, I don't know, but it's a lot fewer. It feels almost like it's in maintenance mode to whatever their current commitments are to deliver for certain projects. I'm not sure. It's, I think it does sound bad for future, and I'm in Phelim's camp. I'm slightly relieved considering what Google does with its other projects and how little oversight we over we have over what might have been the kernel in our next phone. I'm not sorry to see it go, I must say. Um, I am sorry to see the fact that people like Jeremy Allison from Samba not being employed anymore though so yeah i think overall i think there's a there seems to be a anybody who's in the FOSS team getting kicked out and chris Tabona too well yeah sjvn wrote for the register what is google doing with its open source teams and uh, he wrote about how a lot of the the big open source hitters at google have been let go i think this is a more significant story i mean i suppose for us it is 
but those people, people like Kat Alman as well, they've um, she created or helped create the Summer of Code, did an awful lot for open source. Krista Bone obviously did. And we can't help, we've had these discussions between ourselves. Does this mean that Google's kind of turned its back slightly in its responsibility towards open source or at least open source dialogue with people who are culturally from an open source background? It, it does feel that way. And I can't help think that all this comes off the back of, I don't know, I've just, OpenAI has 375 employees. Surely someone's gone into Google and said, what are we doing with all of these folks? Yeah. It's especially galling when you think how much money Google or Alphabet are bringing in, how much profit they're generating every year to see some shareholders come in and say, you're massively overstaffed, you don't need all of these people, when they can quite happily pay all of these people. And I'm sure that they were meaningfully employed, working on important stuff. It just seems incomprehensible to me that a company that's earning billions of pounds profit every year can just say we don't need all of these people and and we're not worth uh, it's not worth employing them anymore just bizarre i've seen concern about the future of google summer of code and how that might be affected by this potentially it wouldn't surprise me i mean this is obviously just all in my own head but this seems a little bit like a, a watershed moment for Google where it's kind of shedding its past a little bit and accepting that it has to give in to some kind of sacrifice towards investors as in a way that it's never had to or cared to before. And open source is often the first thing to go with those kind of things. And Summer of Code is one of its remaining altruistic sides. Although I think just recently, hasn't it had just some of its biggest years in terms of the projects and the scope that it's had? So it would be a real shame. I, I really hope it doesn't. But then with Krista Boner and Kat Alman going, I don't know internally what that means. Is this the capitalism curse where everything must grow mm. exponentially every fucking year and at some point reality hits and then it can't and therefore, oh, quick, fire everybody in the company and gut it for parts. Have we reached that point yet? Some numbers from the Register article says that Third quarter revenues of 69.1 billion, up 6% versus last year, or 11% on a constant currency basis, whatever that is. But profit was down 16% at a mere 46.34 billion. So profit is down, revenue is up, profit is down. So obviously, yeah, 46.34 billion is not good enough. And this is a trend to zero. So get out now. <laughs> I mean, you have hit the nail on the head, Phelan. Most problems, if not all problems, come back to just capitalism, as far as I can see. And I'm not some mad anti-capitalist burn-the-system <laughs> person. You know, I, I like to earn a few quid like the next man, but clearly something is seriously fucking wrong here where if you earn in billions of dollars that's not enough and you have to make a bunch of people redundant and make them look for new jobs and that, that it just it doesn't seem right to me if you're making enough money you can carry out your business for years to come and still pay everybody a decent wage and push things in a good way for you know as the summer code would do you know things that not necessarily directly help you but help the general ecosystem, then just keep doing that. This absolute need for unrealistic growth in a finite fucking universe. Like, it's like, I'm sorry, fucking Google has to take over several planets now because uh, we've outgrown Earth and therefore must continue to grow at this rate. Like, is oh, that's what SpaceX is, isn't it? Fuck. <laughs>
Graham, I think you link to this. The Financial Times Alphaville blog, which sounds like some dreadful alt-rightness, but I'm sure it isn't. We tried to run a social media site and it was awful. So they tried to run Mastodon and then decided, fuck this noise after a while. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because it's from outside of our kind of sphere, I suppose. And it's really outside of my sphere, despite the fact that I shared a link to the Financial Times. Although generally good, it's expensive. It's not even white. I know, it's like that off, off-white pinky colour, isn't yeah. it? Gammon, I think they call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the crux is that they, like a lot of people, tried jumping on the Mastodon bandwagon and they found it a pain, costly to moderate, but also... I think, scared by the implications of all of this content coming through their own instance. That's what sounds to me like a very cautious financial stand on this. It's that really all this, you know, they, they don't have direct control all the time over what's coming through their server in terms of the, the images and the conversations. And that seems to me what scared them off more than the requirement to moderate. But I think it is an important point in terms of Mastodon wanting other people outside of our sphere to use it for it to become as ubiquitous as Twitter, for example. I think there was a massive misunderstanding. I think they came along, heard about this brand new technology called email and decided to set up their own Gmail for everybody to have a Gmail account and then went, oh my God, people want to store their email here. Except obviously swap out the various things for Mastodon and email and toots. They should have set up a Mastodon server for their reporters, is what I was saying in our private chat. And then everybody would have known that Joe Blogs at Mastodon.FinancialTimes, whatever the heck it is, was that reporter and it had its own creds along with it. And no, I don't need a Financial Times Mastodon account. Why the hell would I want that? And it just seemed like they misunderstood that. And to start with, yes, I also misunderstood that too. But yeah, you'd expect that they would have researched it maybe a bit better, or maybe there wasn't the info for them, I don't know. Well, I think that it breaks down into a few different problems that they encountered. One of them was technical, with the amount of storage that it required, and I think that that really comes down to a sysadmin problem that is relatively easy to fix with um, scripts that delete things, and that's a surmountable problem. But then it's the sort of content moderation and just regulatory issues. And that is what has stopped me wanting to spin up our own server because there's no way to guarantee that you're not going to have dodgy shit coming onto your box unless you just don't fucking do it, if you just put it in the hands of other people. And that, to me, is, is just the biggest worry, really, especially if you're going to have other users apart from just you there's no way to guarantee that you're not going to break laws. And that's honestly what scared me off. And right at the bottom of this blog post, they show a screenshot of uh, the Financial Times headline, Social Media Bosses Face Jail Under Amendment to UK Online Safety Bill. Now, the UK Online Safety Bill is something that we've talked about off-air quite a lot privately, and it's it just fucking grim, honestly, in terms of the implications and California have done something similar and it's looking like it's going to finally happen here. It's been on the cards for years at this point and I cannot blame them for wanting to have nothing to do with running their own instance. But again, I think the instance should have been for their own people, not anybody. That's where the thing changes. I think 
they should have their own reporters who are under contract with them as reporters and employees. And we would then know that they are the legit person at Financial Times. Um, I thought that would have been a better way of doing it. Yeah, but even then, who are they following? Who's replying to them? What's being pulled onto their server? I mean, I think that's the case, though, with anything. I mean, like, what if you're telephoning the White House and telling them there's a bomb in the building? And, you know, that's not the Financial Times' problem. It's that person who's an individual. Yes, they do work there, but, you know, that doesn't dictate everything about them. No, but what if someone replies to you with an image or something that is uh, illegal in your country and that ends up on your server? Then you are obliged to report that for various reasons. And there's a lot of red tape there. You're into a whole new regulatory quagmire at that point. And again, I can't blame them for walking away from it. There was one other bullet point on that list of reasons why they didn't like it, which concerned me and made me think twice, which is that Mastodon administrators have access to everyone's DMs by default. Hadn't it even crossed my mind that any random Mastodon instance that you might sign up to your DMs are open, potentially open to any administrator on that system. That's pretty damning. I don't know why that would be the default. Well, I have a confession to make. I've been using Mastodon quite a lot lately, and I just can't work out how to do DMs. (laughs) (laughs) There's DMs? Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I keep hearing about this, but I don't know how to do it. Like, you can't do it in the official client. couldn't really find a way to do it in Tusky. I think I did, and I tried to send one, and then it looked like it was just public, so I was like, right, quickly delete that then. So, yeah, I, the DM situation in Mastodon is is not ideal. Security through obscurity. Well, yeah, if you don't fucking send any, no one can read them, can they? <laughs> in fairness, the, the interface with the, the three columns is is a tad confusing. I genuinely forget where stuff is most of the time. Still, I'm allowed to give out about Financial Times. Screw those guys not knowing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops, and servers, and most parts are configurable, so you can pick the CPU, RAM, and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop down at checkout and you can select late night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. On to a bit of admin then. First of all, just a quick thank you to everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $10 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed that includes this show, Linux After Dark, and Linux Downtime. And do check out those shows. There's an excellent Linux After Dark coming up later this week that you definitely don't want to miss. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. Let's do a quick KDE corner before we get out of here then. The first one... Example of Caden Live and Glaxinate. I tried to describe it, but I really couldn't do it much justice. So they made a video of it essentially doing a video of a presentation, and I think it's quite cool. And I just thought I'd put the link in there so people could see it. Essentially animated, slideshowy kind of movie. Again, I've given it great justice there. So uh, yeah, just watch it. <laughs> All right. 
Plasma 5.27 beta is here. Yeah, the beta's here. It's going to be coming out, I think, within the next few weeks. They're working on it. Massive lot of bug fixes. It's the welcome screen, the flat pack permissions, the multi-monitor stuff. There's some things that we should have to get Graham to test out where they've got this kind of meta T mode where you can do quick tiling mm. and then use shift to drag stuff around. I think he should try that out and tell us how great it is and whether it's better than all the hokey scripts he's got. I've tried them all now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we've got that Hebrew calendar. So you have the multi-day thing and really message your mind when you look at your calendar and you see two dates for everything. That's coming out. And yeah, so this is going to be a plasma release for probably a bit longer than usual, maybe nine months, they reckon, or well, hopefully get us to the end of the year when hopefully six comes out. So we'll see how it goes. The frameworks have been branched now. So that is where they were holding back on things that couldn't be rolled out as a backwards patch. So it's going to break stuff from now on, but there's going to be a clear split between version five and six of frameworks so no api compatibility has to be done they can actually go ahead now with all the things they've probably been holding back and yeah i'm sure it's going to be a bit messy for a bit but we don't have to worry about that and hopefully in about nine months or whatever we can reap the benefits all right and new scrooge site yeah i just thought it's quite cool it's a personal finance manager they've got a new website i think they've done a nice job of laying out all the features is quite good and sort of along with that which is part of craft which we covered the last time which is a invoice application just i thought it was quite funny that there's um a developer there has written a thing for this Recnon viewer it's a way of invoicing (laughs) it's a way of invoicing (laughs) german companies if you're doing work for government and i thought it was quite funny that we should uh, sort of get working on it. You know, he did this over a weekend and it's like the likes of, you know, uh, Munchen Tiles Y, where they tried to say, oh yeah, oh yeah, you couldn't support our stuff. You just do it as a, show them that open source software over a weekend has now got a viewer for that type of format. It's quite cool. Craft does that already, but I thought it was quite nice to see something as simple as that. You know, it's funny. I tried to invoice a German company once and they just like laughed at my invoice. Like, oh, this, this is not acceptable. And then sent me a template, <laughs> like fill this in. So, all right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> They're very uh, particular, it seems. They do like their bureaucracy. Yeah, but they also have a better country than uh, ours. Don't know about Ireland, but oh. anyway, let's not get into that. So, best Plasma 5 and major bug fixes. Yeah, so Nate has a couple of articles. The work that's going in right now to make 527, which is the last of the 5 series, as feature complete and as bug free as they possibly can, is going in. They're doing things like they're Try just generally fixing everything, the new multi-monitor stuff, make sure that's all seamless because we will have to use it longer than normal. So yeah, he's got quite a list of stuff there. And uh, funny enough, he's covering a few things that are going into 6.2, like the Islamic calendars going into that one. So there'll be two calendars that can confuse, rather three because there's two Islamic calendars. That's going in. There's a new wallpaper accent color that the designer can actually implement in it, which is quite cool, rather than a system optimized one that it picks itself if they think that you should have a particular color, they can suggest that as well. And there's a new KD inhibit command, which I didn't know about, which is quite cool. So you can just run a quick command line thing to turn off your notifications, which I thought was going to be a nice feature. Because when I we're doing this show, I normally turn mine off and going up to the sys tray and clicking it and stuff. It's just a pain, especially if it's not being triggered at the moment. I'd have to go digging for it. Whereas a simple CLI, love it. Brilliant. 
And uh, Spectacle is going to have video recording as well, which is quite cool. There's a link in it right now where you can use one of the things like OBS or what's the other famous one, Record My Desktop or something like that. I can't remember what it's called, but it will actually have it itself. And uh, that's quite cool because it's a very, very versatile tool. Love it. So pretty cool. Right. Well, links to all that in the show notes as usual then. We better get out of here. We'll be back next week when we'll have some discoveries and some of your feedback probably. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.